American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are listening to us. Welcome to The American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead. This podcast is about leadership, entrepreneurship, and business through your heart. It's also just about being a good person, right? So my name is Neil Simpson of SFJ 4x4, and I am joined as huge with our esteemed producer, the Italian Stallion. I'm Jeff Shermani. Jeff Sheramonte. And to start off, obviously, first thing I want to say is please like and subscribe to our show. Give us that five-star rating. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about business titles. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit deep into that. We're going to talk about some of the successful businesses out there. And then at the end of the episode, we are going to go over our quote of the week. Yeah, I love it. And and make sure you stay tuned for that quote of the week. It's uh, a special one for episode 10. Oh, episode 10. And, and if you are unfamiliar with us, I am, uh, you know, I am a, a child and I am, you know, listening or organically hearing the quote. Uh, that Jeffrey, you know, kind of selects for us, and I always enjoy them, and I get all excited. Uh, it's valuable to know that what you are listening to is a conversation uh, regarding, you know, again these concepts of leadership and self improvement. Oftentimes, there are, you know, there's many books, there's many speakers out there who have agendas, and they're trying to push a, a very specific viewpoint or or talking points. Uh, this conversation uh, between Jeffrey and I, and, and eventually some some others, mm -hmm. uh, is meant to be an organic conversation based on our combined forty years of failure and success. <laughs> that's right? right, and then that's important that I, I say failure first because. In order for you to be successful, you do have to fail forward, and you have to learn from those from those uh, you know missteps, if, if you will. If you've never failed at anything, you're not trying hard. You're enough. not trying hard enough. You're not you're not actually big enough. You're not grown enough. So that's really valuable. So, folks, if you're if you're listening, understand that this is a conversation, and we want you to be part of this conversation. And at the end of the program, we will make sure we share a couple ways for you to join in. Additionally. We have just gone live. Yes. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was super well received. Um, I'm really enjoying people's feedback. I, I it was remarkable how many people, uh, you know, made sure to reach out and say they enjoyed listening to our initial programs uh, or had just little coded or cryptic messages like referencing talking points. So just in general conversation with us. Oh, yeah. They brought up talking points that we've shared. And so if you're one of those people who was part of our launch, uh, we thank you so much because, uh, you know, without you, the, this program, you know, Jeff and I can talk to each other over lunch at work, right? right. That's not a big deal. But the idea is, is including our listeners, our followers, um, folks that want to do better, right? And and so we thank you for being part of that process. So this is actually ish a continuation, right? Yeah, from, absolutely. From I believe episode eight, basically, Correct. right? Yep. And uh, this idea, the titles, and I I got to tell you, folks, I am all jazzed up because I think uh, titles are critical, right? And so the idea that um, that titles are very, very valuable, 
but the also the idea that they can also be way oversold, right? Absolutely. And so we talk a bit about that in the in, in episode eight. Well, and speaking of oversold, the title of this episode is CBO of External Affairs. Yeah, which is hysterical, right? Uh, which is hysterical, which is something we've come up with <laughs> internally. Correct. And I could not be happier to adorn this title. <laughs> uh, I have shared with everybody since you and the guys came up with this uh, with this title for me, right? And of course, if you if you didn't listen to the previous episode about titles, if um, if you have some super fancy title associated with your kitchen soap making business, I'm not here for it, right? I, you're not the CEO. You're not a chief executive officer. Uh, you're an owner. You're a creator. You're a founder. That's fine. You can have those types of, of titles associated. But let's let's keep the, the fancy up church vernacular for when you actually attain those levels. Yeah. Uh, however... Um, CBO of external affairs is is fantastic. I, I don't know if we should reveal uh, to our listeners I, just yet. Maybe we maybe we tease that for a few we episodes. We tease it for a few episodes, <laughs> but understand that um, you know even uh, a decade in of full time plus six years uh, part time, I still just my official title is just owner, yep. right? And uh, there is a, a a value of humility that is associated with that and a pride for me to just say that that is my, that is my primary role, yeah. you know? Um, with that said, titles are so valuable because they are the first thing that enters the conversation. Right. And I, and I believe this, this is one of my principles for success folks. If you're, if you're listening, you're joining in titles are, are, are more important than curb appeal they're, they're more important than even your initial product because realistically, when people are gathered around uh, at a meeting after church or the, the barbecue or the water cooler and they're talking because that's what humans do. They talk. Yeah. They're going to share the name. So if you are a contractor and, and somebody says, yeah, you know what? I, I, my, my ceiling's got some, some wet spots in it and I'm a little concerned my roof is – uh, you know, going to be leaking and I need some, some repairs there and around that water cooler. Somebody's going to say, Oh, you know what? I had a great experience with blah, or I had a bad experience with blah, right? Yeah. That's where that name proceeds the whole conversation, right? No, they don't know anything about how good or bad you really were. If you're, if you're just a, a blank consumer yep. and you're just at the water cooler receiving a message from somebody else. And uh, this has to do with first circle, second circle, third circle people as well. I don't know if we've talked about we circles yet, right? No. And we'll, we'll have to address that in the near future. You don't know whether that person – so I, I am I am a person who, who needs a roof done. Not really, but you know, let's say that I did. Right. And I'm talking to you, Jeffrey, and, and we're at the water cooler. And, and you say, hey, Neil, you got to check out Kickstart Roofing, Right. I don't know if they they're your best friend. That, that guy could be, you know, he could be putting bubble gum and duct tape up there. But right. you have suggested kickstart roofing to me. Yep. Right. That's the first thing that enters the conversation. I don't know if they're your lifelong friend until we talk about it further. If they're somebody, you know, you just saw an ad on, on you know, the interwebs. I don't know anything except for the name of their business is kickstart roofing. The right? name of your business becomes your reputation without question whether that's a good reputation or a bad reputation is your deciding yes you you make that choice but 
It is your reputation. And, and, and it is as valuable. I, I truly believe that that and then followed by your logo or your branding. Those Correct. are your, your two most critical pieces. And then kind of thirdly is the effective utilization of them, right? Yep. The marketing. Because, yeah. And, and I, wanna, I, I, love, uh, I, I love it. Uh, I can't wait to share with you because I know that uh, in our, our, our pre-notes um, that you shared with me, you have some stories of successful businesses. I, I'm going to tell you that I have some stories of not so successful businesses. Okay. And um, I'm going to talk about them, right? Yeah. And, uh, and And I just – this is one that I am hyper – critical of folks if you are thinking about you know starting a business you're dreaming about that if you are assigning you know roles within an organization uh, if you're starting a youth group names matter yeah. right and so for the good and the bad as you said um you know that's that that is your reputation and so ideally you want a good reputation to start correct right um and i've i've done i i, I am so I, 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 I've done some really goofy stuff working with some people that, you know, I chose the name because I knew that it was going to be a cheap service. Yeah. Right. Um, and I will, I guess I'm going to jump into it and say, I once hired a business called officially business card hanging on a pegboard, uh, at a local diner idiot for hire. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> that card, it makes you want to hire because you're like, all right, I want to know. Oh, it was uh, it was a it was perfect. It was a little business card hanging on um, you know on that that cork board, leaving the the restaurant. And I had a, a tree that had fell, fallen um, dead, and it needed cleaned up, or actually need parts parts of it uh, felled and then cleaned up. And this had a chainsaw and the name "Idiot for Hire," and I just thought, well, this guy's not going to cost me much money, right? <laughs> right. Um, so the question though is, yes, did he provide a good service or was he an idiot for hire? So <laughs> you did know, he live up to his title? You know what? So interestingly enough, and I think that, uh, you know, he was a good sport. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a guy that I, I genuinely believe life had, had reasonably passed him by. Uh, he should have been retired. Okay. Realistically, he's an individual should have been retired. Uh, he showed up in an absolutely derelict vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, little, uh, very, very affordable falling apart pickup truck, uh, had his chainsaws again, this is specifically about chainsawing, had his chainsaws just, just floating about in the bed of the truck and, and gas cans and oil cans just kind of flopping around. Um, and he had a couple saws back there, you know, and, um, and he, uh, he, he got out of his truck and his bones ached and his joints creaked and, you know, and he was just, you know, he was just a guy that life had, had kind of, you know, gone past him. And uh, I showed him the tree and he said, yeah, I can take that down. Uh, I'll do it for about 50 bucks. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you're hired. And he went, back, bucks. he went back to the truck and he put on his bib overalls, his protective gear. He, he now he had good equipment, he had good name brand equipment, and uh, he put on his bib overalls and, and he set out to work and he dropped it, um, cleaned up a couple, you know, a couple primary cuts, and he was out of there in an hour and, and 20 minutes or so, um, for 50 bucks. So, huh, 
you know, it was a great value for my dollar. For me, you are kidding. For me, it's exactly the service that I was looking for. Yeah. For somebody else, it might not be the service, right? I mean, if this was a, a critical between two two buildings um, near a house, if if I would have uh, not been able bodied myself and and been okay with the full cleanup of the site, right? You know. Um, for him, I think he did the exact job that he wants to do. He just knocked the tree down and run knocked, away. Knocked the dead tree down. And, and if you're not familiar with, with treeing at all, folks, there are these trees they call widow makers. And yep. the, the idea is that a tree could be more dead on the inside. And as you cut through it, it could splinter and fall precariously in any direction. And that's what I had. And, and you know, he was okay for 50 bucks. Putting himself in that position, you yeah. know? So I, I I don't know whatever happened to him, you know? But it's an interesting story on how he named his business. Now, if you are a person starting out right now, young and ambitious or ready to transition into your own tree service, I would not recommend Idiot for Hire. No. You're, you're not going to be able to grow that. You're, you're, you are literally just going to be the old man getting a tree fell for somebody and moving on. Yeah. And that's all you'll right? ever be. I mean, that's what that business was yep and i think in that in that story there's actually some value because when you are naming your business or you're a consumer choosing a business realistically you want uh to understand that that name will have the ability to springboard you into something greater yep or it will create a glass ceiling that will not allow you to advance correct and we'll maybe talk about that uh, as we go forward, because I've got a couple other examples. This is a this is a, a subject I'm super super passionate about because I the complete baseless statistic. I believe that the majority of people um, inappropriately name their businesses without without question. Most people right now you're listening. That means if we have ten people listening, and we know we have more, and we thank you, you know that that few at uh, ten uh, that. Seven of them are going are, are currently thinking about naming their business the wrong thing or naming their youth group or naming their committee or whatever it might be. That is just the reality because we are, uh, you know, we are, are constricted by our bias, right? So, some of my favorite stories of businesses, especially back when phone books were more relevant. Sure. Was when they would name themselves AA Towing or... A1. Uh, ABC plumbing or yes. one, two, three, yes. whatever, because they wanted to be that first listing in the phone book. Yes. There was a lot of people at that time speaking on that, like leadership oh, yeah. speaking on that. It was a marketing technique. It was. And the only thing you did was you set yourself up to be a localized uh, business that is you know just going to be at first listing in the in the in your, phone in book. your local phone book yep. and and that does that's going to get customers i mean you're listening and you're one of those people uh, that's fine you got a customer out of that you you did but is it the customer that you wanted is it the customer that's profitable is it the customer that's going to further your brand or your business for you if they're if they're literally relying on the first listing in the phone book and they're just going with it no they're not your customer thank you jeffrey thank you i, I think that's it's so valuable that if you're listening to this podcast you want more you want better you're not just here for the quick buck right because we're here for the long haul we're not here for the the short game right right uh that to say again, if that customer is just looking for the first listing on 
the interwebs or in the yellow pages or wherever that directory is, they're not the profitable customer. On on the whole, that's not to say you'll right. get one or two that'll be lifelong and returning and, and further your brand and your business. But that goes back whole, to your reputation and how good a service you actually provide. Correct. But, but if they're jumping around, you know, they're not already dedicated to a, a, a business or a brand, then they're not your customer. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, instead of just dwelling on the, the, the negative, what have you got for, for the positive? Right. So, some, some positive naming. I will. I'm going to start with 3M. Okay. Do you know what 3M stands for? I have no idea what 3M stands for. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. Oh, sh <laughs> shut the front door. So this was founded in 1902 by five entrepreneurs. They wanted to be innovative as a company. Yes. And they, they knew that that name was robotic and dull sounding. Yes. So, so they abbreviated it. 3M. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company company oh my goodness so that is brilliant. and if you're if you're listening folks and you are not initially familiar with 3m i i think that you know they are as prolific as uh johnson and johnson as jp morgan you know they are i don't know if they exactly fall into a fortune 200 or 400 or wherever i'm not sure where they fall but, but i know they're up there Right, they're up there. And what year were they founded, you said? 1902. 1902. Over so 120 years ago. 120 year lasting power out of the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. It would have never lasted if that was the name. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It would have become wholly regionalized and it would have never gotten to the point where they were, you know, they make a lot of abrasives and adhesives and chemicals in that, that sense. You know, you would think they're just a mining company. Oh yeah, it would have. They would have been pigeonholed or cornered into a product that they then have to produce. Well, yeah. When you read mining and manufacturing, you're not thinking tape adhesive or any of the other no post-it notes. I mean, correct. Anything that 3M produces, right? Oh, that you would is, never picture that. That is brilliant. Oh, that's a great example. I love it. I love it. And, 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 and ultimately, I think we identify with that. And I, I will talk about our own branding, uh, you know, in a little bit. Is there another one on there that you have for us? I've got several. Um, another one I thought was really fun was Virgin Airlines. Okay. So Virgin, uh, Richard Branson was preparing to launch his mail order record retailer and a worker suggested, what about Virgin? We're complete virgins at business. Huh. Good old Richard Branson. So he loved it. He said embra it embraced who they were rather than concealing it. Yeah. They had no business being in business, so why not Amen to point that. it out? Amen to that. Huh. And I, <clears throat> Branson is a fantastic uh, character to look into. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and he's got some really valuable stuff to offer. Um, I actually almost had one of his quotes for this week, and then oh. I changed it last minute. Okay, okay. Well, and and I would have I would have been here for it, you know. Um, but of course, representing with with understanding where Virgin Airlines came from, and of course, he had Virgin Records, Virgin Airlines. Um, I they had a couple other offshoots, right? Yeah, it became a his own uh, identity brand. Too, yeah, yeah, it became a, a, an identity brand, uh, which is which is fascinating when it gets into branding oh yeah as well you know that's a great crossover there yep. um as a a name company that then is utilized uh doing lots of different endeavors oh yeah right so i'm gonna flip back 
and uh, share a, a less successful one for funsies. And um, this is a this is a personal one, and it was actually by a family member. So I, I tread lightly on his own experience, um, and I, you know, and I I wished him the best success at that time. But I I remember like that little internal dialogue, and I wanted like in my head to like reach out and grab him by the shirt collar and like shake him and be like, "What are you doing?" Um, but he and a friend uh, had thought they were going to get into a dirt moving business, right? It's, and it's valuable, uh, people, site preparation, driveways, you know, that kind of stuff, digging foundations, ponds, those kinds of things. And, uh, they decided, uh, before they had any real specific functional work under their belts, you know, they'd done one or two side jobs for, uh, that first circle of consumer themselves and their family. Yeah. Right. But hey, this is going to be a good idea. They named themselves Joe Dirt Excavating. Like the movie? Like the movie. Oh, boy. Right? That, and that already sets the stage right there. It sets the stage, right? And if you're, if you're, you're listening to us and, and you're not familiar with Joe, Joe Dirt, then that might be okay, right? Ish. 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 But I would argue probably not not even, right? So if you're familiar with the movie out of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, Joe Dirt is, you know, a young guy kind of lost, lost in time. And, um, you know, he's kind of quintessentially uh, of an impoverished class and struggles throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Right? It's a comedy. It is a comedy. Um, David it? Spade. Yep. And, and it's hysterical, you know, for a certain, you know, a certain audience. But it sets you up that you're never going to be a professional business. Right. And that's, that's the unfortunate reality. You have – you might think that that's a positive association, but it's not. Because right. Because there's, there's going to be a population that goes, I don't want – to engage with that person because I think that it's going to be similar to Idiot for Hire. Correct. Right? And further, if you are unfamiliar with the movie, your average Joe. Right. Right? We use this term of, of, of Joe as a, a ambiguity, uh, kind, of, kind of faceless. So to say it's Joe Dirt, it's your average Joe excavating. Yeah. Right? And that does not encourage the consumer to create a what they, they do create a percep, perception of you and it's not a it's it's not a good one right right um, your reputation before they even know you is not a not one of excellence yeah and that's that's very challenging um, if you heard me say things before also one of the things they did was they ran right out and they put their branding Joe dirt excavating with a little excavator on jackets, on stationery, on pens. They hadn't done any jobs yet. So they tried to create a brand before they started. They tried to create a brand before they had even started. Well, in some instances, that is a very successful way to do it. And I'd love to talk about that, right? And so I want to tease the fact that I think that that will be a, a, a upcoming topic. Absolutely. Right? To say that that's not always bad, right? But how do we... How do we do that? How do we make that transition, right? Once we have the name, once we have the logo figured out, how do we make that transition? 
So I'll just kind of leave that as a little bit of a teaser to say, was that good? Was that not good? You know, that kind of yeah. thing, right? So yeah, Joe Dirt excavating. I, I always wished it would have gone farther for them. Um, but uh, I, th- I felt like it was a classic example of, of just good guys wanting to they thought they were going through the motions. They thought they were doing things right. You yeah. know, they thought they were creating positive association. And in my mind, they were actually creating an income limiter. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Um, go ahead. What's a positive one? Let's sw- swing back there. Well, let's talk about Haagen-Dazs. Haagen-Dazs, the ice cream. Yeah, exactly. The ice cream. Okay. German, Dutch. So when? No. 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 Oh, okay. That's what See? they wanted you to think. Fantastic. That's that's what I thought. So uh, when they when they created this business, they wanted to know how can they create a name that cannot be replicated. Oh, okay. So they just made it up. <laughs> okay. The founders of of Haagen-Dazs are from Bronx, New York. Yes. And they knew that foreign sounding names were appealing. Yes. So back in 1961, they made up the name Hagen Das. No way. It's completely made up. There's no association for any of it. There's no reason for it. Just wanted it to be an appealing foreign name. No way. With purposeful intent, a lot can yes. be accomplished. Absolutely. Right. And and I'll be honest with you, the Joe Dirt excavating. I think that if they would have been able to produce, right, you could have transitioned that name. Right. You, I you really do think you could have like the 3M conversation. And I think that that's valuable as we as we swing back in our conversation um, and set the stage for how do you name your business, your organization, uh, your processes, um, and again making that applicable to many people. How do you name it? Um, is the name transitionable, right? And so we'll be sharing some of my some of my my specific attempts and when I did seek to name this organization, our parent company, um, and then how we went about transitioning, right? Well, and so, I, I think there's value in not only how you name it, make it transitional, but also knowing your target audience when you do that. Yes. Name. Yes. Um, so another one of the examples I have is Bape. Uh, it's short for uh, bathing ape. This was a occult clothing industry in the uh, founded in 1993. It was huge in the 90s. Okay, uh, uh, it's still available today. Interesting. Um, it's something that you and I probably wouldn't identify with. Okay, yeah, I'm unfamiliar with. We're, it. we're not the target audience. That's sure. Why. So the the bape is actually a, a bathing ape. It is an old Japanese saying: "A bathing ape in lukewarm water." Hmm. And what that means was that you're. If you're referred to as just a bathing ape in lukewarm water, you're overindulging. Huh. And this brand is literally their target audience is the egotistical, overconfident youth. Interesting. It's, that is their identity. Yeah. So it's, a, it's actually a juxtaposition then. Correct. Right? Um, and is it specifically Asian markets or targeted towards Asian markets? No. No. Okay. No. It's, it's a U.S. brand. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, it could be U.S. brand, but maybe towards Asian markets is what I was wondering. But so it was something that was created here in the U.S., to your knowledge? To, to my understanding, yeah. yeah and interesting. it's a, it's a um, kind of a pop culture type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an indulgence. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, this is we are targeting a particular class um, or, you know, concept of, of, you know, where that person feels like they fit in their classes. Correct. 
Huh. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with it entirely, especially since it started in 93, which was the grunge scene. I, so you had the grungers going one direction and you had the, you know, the opulence and indulgence. You know, of course, we see yep. a lot of brands come out of the 80s and 90s that are geared towards differentiating yourself from yeah. lower classes. Absolutely. Right? I mean... And it, I, I personally would never heard of Bape. No. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a West Coast thing and we're just... Well, no doubt. And that's totally... We can have regional regional audiences um, and national brands with regional buy-in. Yep. Right? Um, I don't know a lot about Tommy Hilfiger uh, or I, there's a handful of companies and fashion designers and whatnot that are not our strengths. Right, right. Right? Um, but we're geared. You mean towards... you weren't an Abercrombie kid? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Unfortunately, and if you're listening, you're an Abercrombie person. More power to you. But that was just not my scene. <laughs> Me right? either. I not... walked into that store once with some friends. I'm like, I don't belong here. Oh my gosh! It smelled so good, and the no- the sound, the music was so loud. I was in a dance club and just trying to buy a pair of pants. Nope. 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 I'm. I'm good with a pair of Levi's or Arizona's back at the, right? you know, Sears or JCPenney was, was my style. But uh, as far as those brands, they were meant to differentiate. They were um, they were meant to give the perception of uh, of opulence, yeah. of, of the fact that you had money. And, and the unfortunate reality is oftentimes the only people fooled by that are the people who don't have money. Correct. Which is really a challenge. Yeah. Um, however, if you're talking about naming a brand – um, that is with purposeful intent, you know, and, and then how you do the marketing, how you do that branding, right? Um, fascinating, fascinating when it comes to that. And again, the name is so critical in that conversation. Do you have an, uh, any more that you- I got, I got one more I wanted to share. Do you want to, do you want to do it now or do you want to wait on it? Either way. All right. Well, let's do it now, and then okay. we'll, we'll get into how people should name their endeavors. So we're going to talk about Starbucks. Oh, okay. I, everybody I, knows Starbucks. Bougie. I'm, I'm my wife. Uh, my we have we're 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 fans uh, from from afar. So from afar. When they when they first created the company name, they had talked to advertising specialists, and the advertising specialists had told them, "Hey." Names that start with ST right now are really powerful. That's what you need to start with. Oh, it's like the first name in the, the the yellow pages. Correct. Okay. So they set out on a mission to name their company something that started with ST. Of course. They had no idea what it was going to be. Right. They found an old mining map that had the name Starbo on it. Um, so from there, one of the founders immediately thought of Moby Dick. What? Uh, so in the book, the uh, what was it? The first mate. The first mate was Starbuck. Okay. Starbuck uh, was the first mate of uh, uh, Pequod. Captain. Oh, okay. The, the ship. Okay. Pequod. So they they didn't want to name the coffee Pequod because they thought a cup of Pequod didn't sound very good. No, it doesn't sound uh, very good. So they they decided Starbuck. Uh, he was known for his quiet nature and moral goodness. Hmm. They decided that would be that would be cool. So they went with Starbucks. But what's more interesting to me, and we're we're going to talk more about logos in the future. Yes. But I do want to talk about this because they're Mermaid logo is, yes. not, is not actually a mermaid. Okay. It's actually a siren. Oh. It's not related in any way to the name, other than they wanted to pay homage to the uh, seafaring ways of the old uh, coffee traders. Mm. That, just paying homage to that. So they did a siren, and the only thing I can assume from a siren is that they just really wanted to lure you in. Oh, no doubt, right? So it's, right. it's working. It's working. <laughs> Whatever they've got going on, it's working for them. No doubt about that. Again, it's classic branding. 
Um, and and un, and unfortunately, fortunately, we can have a conversation about the nature, the purposeful intent of how Starbucks has created their namesake, uh, their original location, uh, tied in their mission and vision statements, oh, yeah. uh, followed through with a, a product that they've created that then they can serve in a consistent and proceduralized manner. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there who for they don't know why they're critical of Starbucks. Um, they, you know, for whatever socioeconomic, sociopolitical, whatever reason. That's because it's $10 for a cup of coffee. Yeah, right. It's not my place to buy coffee. But, you know, again, uh, I know people who, who love it. And, you know, that's a little bit of their indulgence, their feel good. So cool. Go there um, and do that. But great business model kind of from start to finish. Oh, yeah. You know, um, again, they, the way that they created their name and then that name is what enters the room first and all of the other things that follow it are appropriate, yeah. right? And that's what creates a successful business. Um, and, and again, we're going to keep hammering that. So we'll talk a little bit about how you should name your organization, your, uh, you know, your committee, your sports team, whatever it is that you're setting out to do yourself, um, and and the the good and the bad of it, and, and then I'm also going to share, uh, you know, a little anecdote of our our parent company in that process as sure. well. So things that I think are 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 highly valuable, and I've, you've heard me say it a couple times throughout this podcast already, is purposeful intent, right? Are you thinking through the process, right? We had actually talked a little bit about this podcast and naming it in one of the previous episodes. Um, in, in that process, we actually did some research and found that the name was actually very popular. Yeah. was not going to distinguish us. There was like 30 plus podcasts of same or very similar names. It was of, like, uh, of what we were hoping it would be. Yeah. Right. And so it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, while I was really moved by the spirit, while we agreed on things, it was, not the right fit. Right. Because uh, despite us wanting it to be, it was already consumed. It, it, it's not going to differentiate us. And so somebody listening would go, okay, but I, it really represents me well. Oh, that's cool. It, it could represent you well. But does it set you up for further success? Right. Right? Are you going to be, you know, in the name Names are valuable because they can they can indicate to the consumer, right? And I use that consumer term in a very broad and general manner, right? It's it's anybody who is receiving the goods that you are producing. Yep. Right? And that's not just business folks. Again, that could be a committee overseeing a venue or an event planner or anything like that, right? So consumption and production is basic concepts. So that consumer is going to hear your name and they're going to create an image first and foremost. Yep. So what image do they create and in what level do they create it? Is it a localized hometown business? Uh, at that point in time, you might get away with Joe Dirt excavating, right? Because all you really care about is just providing services to your local hometown. And they go, oh, well, I know, I know Jim Bob. He's a good guy and, you know... We'll call them over at Joe Dirt to dig our basement foundation. 
that's awesome. But by the time that you want to move into the communities two or three removed from yours, you might get into a community that goes, hey, I don't, I don't know who Joe Dirt is, but that doesn't sound like a good name to me. Right. Right. Um, likewise goes for, you know, some of the other not so quality names like Idiot for Hire. Right. right? Well, um, and the, the other part, though, is when you're doing a title, uh, you have to also include what your service is in some way, shape or form, unless you 100%. have the ability to market and market and market and advertise that name. So Starbucks, Haagen-Dazs, all of those employed unbelievable marketing yes. techniques to get that brand identity. Yes. Without that, those names wouldn't be successful. Correct. And so I, I love that the what you're you're bringing to the table because if you are truly a startup brand, right? And I see I see the world of um business startups or committee startups or, or organizational startups as those who have finances and those who do not. Correct. Okay. And so folks, if, if you're listening to us and you want to boil it down uh, to however this might be applicable to you, because it's not just business, right? This is, this is a lot of endeavors or pursuits. So uh, we have folks who have money in their pursuit and folks who do not have money in their pursuit. And those two models, they, they vary, right? They're differentiated. Significantly. Significantly. So when choosing a title as, and if we're being realistic with ourselves and saying, hey, I don't have the money of the, of the big competitors, yep. right? Or a big startup. Then my title of my organization or my business has to tell my consumer what we do and or why we do it. Yes. Okay. Again, that's the first thing that somebody's going to hear at the water cooler when they're having that conversation. Yep. So the value, the good piece of Joe Dirt Excavating is it says excavating. It says excavating in it. Yep. Right? Dirt and excavating. Yes. That's actually not bad. Right. Without the the cultural association and if one of the guys would have been named Joe. Right. It probably would have been okay. Right. Uh, and, of course, if it wouldn't have just followed the release of the movie, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Again, that was culturally relevant at the time, though. So, Idiot for Hire tells the consumer... You're just paying somebody cheap. You're paying somebody cheap. And and honestly, if you hear the namesake, you're like, mm, I for hire for what? You know what I mean? And, yep. and, and other than the card having a chainsaw on it... Uh, you wouldn't know. Right. Right. And I still remember he pulled up in his, his little beat up S10 pick em up truck. You know, he had the vinyl letters idiot for hire on the side of his truck. And I'm thinking, well, you know, for what, you know what I mean? Again, I'm, I'm here to have him or he's here to fell a tree for me, but is he going to haul away brush in the back of this truck? Is right. he going to lay mulch in the flower beds? I, I mean, right. May, maybe he will. I, I just know he's, Cheap and he's hireable, right. you know. Uh, so it's kind of like, uh, was it 10 years ago or so? I saw on the back of a van in Erie, Pennsylvania, husband for hire. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm not really sure what that means. And then underneath it, it actually said, uh, rent my husband for handyman jobs or whatever. And I'm mm. like, how creative is that? And yet at the same time, you're not going anywhere. Yes. That's just a side job. Yes. And if your intention, if your pursuit is a side hustle, 
that's not a bad side hustle. Right. Right. And so that's that we're going to circle back to purposeful intent. If this is I am a, a individual who, you know, does a desk job nine to five and I, I enjoy side, you know, carpentry or contracting or handyman work. Husband for hire is actually a pretty creative name. Yeah. Uh, now, if your intention is, hey, I, I got to get out of this this day job and and make my full time pursuit my pa- my passion my you know my full time, well then that's not the name that you want to start with. Right. Right. So we're we're starting with with our purposeful intent, and as we we garner that that namesake, now we're going to do that research. You know, those are positive things. If we don't have money, our name uh, or titling has to tell our consumer what we do and, and maybe why we do it. Yep. And then if our intention is to – we then have to understand what our, our, our intention is. Is it to be a localized business, a regionalized, national, international, so on and so forth, yeah. right? And is that name then – transitionable right meaning can i then it's it fits my needs in this moment and it helps me jump off uh helps me blast off the the launch pad but then as i attain a certain level of functionality am i is does the name grow with me and i'm gonna that's valuable i'm gonna point out another company that is localized but it's it has grown a little bit into the region and I don't foresee it ever going any further. Okay. Lake Erie Brewing Company. Sure. It's, it's a regional name. Yes. They made it so that they can pretty much only survive around Lake Erie in the near maybe maybe a couple hour radius of that. Sure. And that's certainly where the relevancy is, mm-hmm. right? And this is one that I've recently uh, had a conversation. Good friends of ours and a business that we work with closely uh, is Lake Erie Automotive. Mm-hmm. And I know that that owner would like to franchise th- his business. And he is also wrestling with processes that will allow him to franchise. And he's talking about incorporating under a, a different namesake and you know, and, and maybe using some forms of abbreviation or this being a parent company and franchising a different name. There's a number of things that he's wrestling with or playing with. And I think it's valuable to say that he sees a way out. Yeah. Right. He sees his name as Lake Erie Automotive and he sees that he wants to franchise automotive shops that he does not see that the name has to be wholly synonymous. Yeah. My piece of advice would be that as you're setting out, if your intention from the get go is to potentially franchise is to grow into a regional, national global brand, whatever it might be that you would pick a name initially that benefits you. Right. So if you, what, you know, arguably what you shouldn't do is you probably shouldn't name it, uh, associated with a specific um, location, yeah. Typically, um, is is typically what you sh- shouldn't do. Um, if you do uh, that, then it needs to be like the three M. Be able to be abbreviated appropriately. Correct. Right. Yeah. Because if you use like a regional transition. slang as your title or anything yes. like that, people from outside of that region will never understand it. And I think that is 
incredibly valuable, right? And so I'm going to use just the 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 word yins or yinzers. Yeah. Okay. Um, folks who are listening to us, uh, you know, on the West Coast in Florida. I mean, you can probably just be up in New York, really not that far away. Yins is a word or a term used religiously in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Similar to a you all. Similar to a you all or, or a y'all. y'all. And and realistically, while you all or y'all has has been culturally appropriated into, you know, many facets of, of the US, Yins remains very much Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And so you have two options. If you were to use yins in the name of your business, you're then you're going to be stuck in Pittsburgh. Correct. Or if you make your business a Pittsburgh business and people then get a flavor of Pittsburgh wherever you are, then ultimately you might be able to use that name as you continue to grow. But and that's part of the whole marketing plan. I'll say this. If that's if that's your goal is to have a flavor of Pittsburgh and use that yins, the only way you're successful is because of Pittsburgh sports teams. Well, that's a bold statement there, Jeffrey. I, I, because why else would anybody know Pittsburgh? Well, then, then there's Pittsburgh some... Pittsburgh has a, a, a cult following around the U.S. for their sports teams. And they really do. They really do. And there's a... There is a uh, identification. There's, you know, there's Steeler bars all over the country. Yep. Right. And so I think that it's a model that could that could happen. Right. And of course, we have um, Primani Brothers, which is a famous Pittsburgh sandwich uh, company. Yes. Uh, and and I, I love the fact that it has their name and their brotherhood in there. But realistically, if I was just to say Primani Brothers to somebody who was outside this region, they wouldn't know what it is. No. Right? They wouldn't know what it is, but I think because of the way they named it, they could be successful across the U.S. Well, they could, and they're taking a iconic... I believe, I believe their full title is Manny Brothers Sandwich Company. I believe it is. Yep. And... And, the, and, and people in, in common discourse just shorten it down to Permani Brothers. Correct. You know, or Permanis even. Yep. And I think what they do, it, valuable, is they serve an iconic sandwich that was uh, arguably created for the Pittsburgh steel worker, that Pittsburgh blue collar worker. Yes. Right? And so you could arguably use yins and an iconic, you know, kind of product. And you could build a brand around those Pittsburgh sports teams, and you could be as famous as the Philly cheesesteak. Now, right? I'm going to point out one of the things that Permani Brothers does well is that they do use the localized slang in their sandwiches on 100% their menu. They do, but their main business title is not regionally stuck. Correct, uh, and and I think that as we you know as we tiptoe into their business model. It's actually a very successful one, kind of almost a, a little bit Starbuck-ish. Yeah. However, I think that its original conceptualization was very organic. Yes. Right? So there's some values there, folks, because they're able, with their name, they, they created in an organic process in a, in a, a local area, serving sandwiches to hardworking individuals. Um, right down in the strip district of Pittsburgh and they grew from there and they continued to reinvest and polish their model. And now it becomes very trendy. It's, it's socialized, you know, those types yes. of things. Um, and, and so there's a lot of fun that goes with their product as well. And so they've hit all of the points from the naming to the, the scale ability of, of their brand. Absolutely. Right. So 
there's value in that, that you, you as an individual, as you figure out what your organization, your committee, your business is going to be doing, uh, and they're one that did not have a ton of money. Maybe they didn't have the consultation that Starbucks had as, as far as, you know, getting with a marketer. If you are a person who doesn't have a lot of money and you're starting out in one of these uh, pursuits, you don't have to do that process, right? Right. Again, you pick a name with intention, do some research, and then um, tell the consumer what you're going to be doing from your name because it'll be the first thing that enters the room in the conversation. And I'm also going to throw out the psychological ploy on it. Don't name your company an honest company. <laughs> I honestly don't believe you. <laughs> that was that was a big one in the 90s and yep. early 2000s, right? It was. And and there's a lot of associations. And, and so, again, the name of a business, and especially if, whether it's small business or big business pursuit, the name itself reflects ownership regularly, right? Yeah. And and sometimes our own bias. And so we have to check our bias and say, okay, do I want the business to be bigger than me as an individual? Or uh, do I do I want it to just be me, right? right? If if it's Honest Abe, and my name is Abe, it's Honest Abe's Carpet Cleaning, well, then, hey, that's a pretty distinctive name. Yep. Um, and it's, it kind of, the world revolves around me, Abe and, you know, or creates this cultural iconic, honest Abe and then carpet cleaning. And there's kind of a weird feeling there. I, and I'm okay with that kind of a name. If you plan to stay localized. Sure. And if, and if your idea is that, uh, and I think it's, it's appropriate to identify that hardworking individual out there right now who owns a mechanic shop. And it's just them and they're okay with that. You know, yeah. maybe the wife runs, uh, the, the wife or the husband runs the front end and the other spouse is the mechanic. And your idea is to ever only be, uh, Kanye of corn, you know, corner of Kanye automotive, then fantastic. Good for you. I wish you the best in your pursuits, you know, and you, know, you can run a very good business that way. You absolutely can. And I think something that would be fun is, if you are looking to start a business currently and you're trying to come up with a name, not sure what name you want, or you have a name you like, but you want some feedback, send it to us. We're going to give you our contact info at the end of the episode. Send it to us. Yeah. We'd love to give feedback on different names yeah. and, and provide our thoughts on it. That would be really interesting, no doubt. So I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to share briefly uh, the conceptualization of our parent company. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so when uh, I had this... This, this grandiose dream that I was going to, uh, you know, go into business, uh, knew that I wanted to be very much focused on Jeeps and Jeeps only. I love all types of vehicles and automotive uh, industry, but my passion was with Jeep 4x4 vehicles. And it doesn't have to be 4x4s, but Jeeps, the brand itself. Yeah. So this was um, one that was... Very important to me because my, my parents were teachers and they were not immediately a, a able to afford a Jeep as a, as a vehicle has a high resale value. It always has, even when the market was not so cattywampus. And there was a great sacrifice on my parents' behalf to make sure that uh, we were able to afford a Jeep in the 90s when my dad finally was in a position to get one. He drove in a bunch, driven a bunch of derelict vehicles up to that point. And while we had those clapped out Hyundais and S10 Blazers and other, you know, less than cool vehicles, 
we would always see that very cool Wrangler drive by or CJ, and we'd be like, oh, Jeep, you know, Jeep alert, Jeep thing, you know, that kind of stuff. It was yeah. like a punch bug, or it was it was something that elevated the the vehicle itself, and it was something we shared uh, in the vehicle as a family, as just a a pursuit. It it actually. Uh, created an idyllic pursuit for us. Right. And I watched uh, my father, you know, save money and plan and kind of look forward into the future and sacrifice in the moment, humbling himself to drive these, you know, Chevy Citation and these cobbed up, you know, (laughs) bubblegum and duct tape vehicles. Yeah. So that one day he could get a Jeep, right? And he stayed humble and he stayed the process. And eventually he was able to accomplish that. So there's this whole prelude to actually owning the vehicle. For a lot of people, they're just right now, they're listening to this podcast. You might be driving to go car shopping and it's just a point A to point B. For us, it was actually a whole process, a, a, a journey to actually get there. Yeah. And once we were there... The Jeep lifestyle is one of rugged individualism, you know, do it yourself, uh, going on, you know, convertible topless car rides to four by four in the winter and not being stuck, you know, stuck in your driveway. So there's this whole other feeling that that goes along with the vehicle itself. And once he actually had the Jeep, we were able to have that lifestyle, right? We were actually able to engage and go to the shows and go to events, go to the four by four truck nationals and watch the, the really big rigs do crazy over the top things. Yeah. So by the time that I was actually in a position post college and I was ish mechanically inclined, I had the opportunity, uh, or the, you know, the vision to say, Hey, I'm going to start a business. And I wanted to pay homage. I wanted to honor that journey, that process, that pursuit, that sacrifice that my family had made. And ultimately, I think it's really valuable to assign your name to uh, to a, a pursuit. And so I eventually call it Simpson Family Jeeps. And the idea was to pay honor to that pursuit. Yep. Then to specifically identify Jeeps as our primary brand. And we're gonna have to call we're gonna have to call the story right there, and we'll circle back to it well, in, the, and, in the near future. And also, you brought up the rugged individualism of Jeeps. Uh, episode seventy-one of I Speak Jeep is actually talking about how we all got into Jeeps and what some of our consumers have done to yes. get into Jeeps. And so that that's a fun story that ties in well with this episode. So it does, and that's go why back, I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah, go back and look up that episode from I Speak Jeep, episode seventy-one, and we'll talk about transitioning namesakes in the near future absolutely for now let's transition to our quote Quote of the week week. and this is my world now the quote of the week the dream is free the hustle is sold separately from tyrese gibson amen to that now there's there's some debate on who actually started that quote okay um the this specific wording the way that it's worded was tyrese gibson back you know in 2014 what? always right i mean that's that's the thing like we're always kind of recycling ideas and talking points and you know to say that anybody at this point in time is truly genuinely sharing uh you know incredibly brand new earth-shattering words i just think is a factual representation it's just it's people ha- have been talking for thousands of years at yep. this point uh but i liked it because it, it really embodies this podcast uh, without question right and i i love it the idea that the dream is free you can can choose 
the pursuit. And that is the American dream, right? Yeah. That mobility, that ability for you to say, I want to do better. I want to grow. I want to change something. And you can sit and dream all day long. Amen. It's free to do that. Yes. But if you actually want to accomplish that, you need to hustle. You need to pay for it. Yes. That is that is fantastic. I love the quote. It's got power in the words itself. We're going to leave you with that, folks. Uh, it's going to go on our board here internally. Uh, I hope that you that you hustle, that you buy that dream today. Get out there um, and and make it happen. I, I thank you so much for being part of this co this podcast and listening in. We are getting off to do episode 71 of I Speak Jeep, right? Yep. And so if you're listening in, make sure you head over there and check out that specific podcast. And maybe as a, as an automotive person, you'll be interested or just a person who likes a funny and, and good group of folks you know, talking about vehicles. It's a fun podcast to check out. We want you to be part of our conversation you can hit us up on our text only number 440-855-2100 or you can email Jeffrey, our producer at Jeff C at S F J four X four dot com. So that's J E F F C at S F J the number four X four dot com. I loved it. Great show today. The dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. Go on and get hungry, folks. And stay hungry. And this is my world. The American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through heart and hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.